Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. Talking to Strangers, travel stories that make life lessons by TravelCakeLife.com. Hey, it's Don Suaz, and you're listening to Talking to Strangers. You know what? It's a really difficult time in coronavirus, and I was reminded of a story just recently by Diego, um, and he was like, you got to share that story. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's not that I forgot because it was a really big moment for me, um, and it's like a story of, you know, how giving is better than receiving. I mean, I love to, I love to receive, so let me not fool you on that one, but yeah, giving can be better than receiving. And even in times when you might not have everything, giving can also be the catalyst to you receiving. And, you know, I'm Christian. I listen to Joel Osteen on TV. I go to church, C3 Zurich, shout out. Um, And especially in this time of coronavirus, especially in this time of Christmas, Thanksgiving just passed, I wanted to bring you a story that constantly reminds me um, of how giving is better than receiving. And even when you're not in the best of positions, how giving can be a catalyst to receiving. Um, You know, and and one thing to keep in mind as I tell this story and as I come to the conclusion, you don't give just so that you can receive. Um, You give not knowing where you're going to receive you give, not knowing when you're going to receive. You just give authentically from your heart and you can't help but receive that karma back. So one time I was, um, I think it was actually March last year or this year actually. Oh my gosh, how long has 2020 been? (laughs) Um, So 2020, March of this year, I was on my way to Mendoza with my two kids, Adrian and Aubrey, and we had to stop in Buenos Aires for a day hang out there for a day and then go to Mendoza the next day because there was no connecting flight on the same day. And so when we got to Buenos Aires, I was happy to get there. I was like, let's just get to the hotel. It's time to shower and, you know, get freshened up. And then we can go see what's happening out here in the city in La Ciudad. And so we called an Uber and this woman came to pick us up. Her name was Ruby. And she was just so nice. She was beaming and I noticed her accent wasn't from Argentina. So I started asking her about herself. Side note, that is me. My friends always complain about it, but I am the person that gets into deep conversations with complete strangers. And so this was the same situation. I wanted to know everything about her life. I wanted to know everything about her. And I was so interested. Um, and I, and I found it so interesting in general to ask people about themselves because how often do people ask us how we're doing, who we are, what we're about and really genuinely care. So since I have the time, a lot of times I like to know about people. I'm just curious. So I asked her, I said, Hey, where are you from? And she said, Venezuela. 
And the thing is, I've met many Venezuelans since being in Argentina. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. So how long have you been here? And she said that she had been there in Buenos Aires for about a year. And so I asked her, you know, about the situation. We start talking about the general situation that's going on in Venezuela, how, you know, there's not medicine and, you know, some places don't have water, education's not going on there. Like, it's just a complete mess. And she's saying, you know, yeah, I miss my home. It's such a shame. Um, and, you know, it, we have such beautiful resources that I can't believe this is even happening. And I told her, yeah, you know, this whole situation um, in the United States is kind of reminding me of the situation where, you know, you one, you let one little thing slide and then before you know it, you're in a situation and thinking, how did I get here? I.e. Trump, we won't go there. But anyway, so so I told her, yeah, you know, I hope that this is not going to persist in the United States because I wouldn't want to come to that place. And then I told her about how I had met another Venezuelan girl in Chile and her name is oh Alejandra. Yes, Alejandra. She works in the um, the Santiago airport and I've seen her a couple times actually since traveling back and forth. But she told me that she uh, was in Chile for quite some time. Her sister was in Spain and her brother was in another place and they were a separated family. The father was still in, in, in Venezuela and I've just been hearing so many things. And she said, yeah, you know, um, and, 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 and she asked me how old my kids were because at the time they were kind of bouncing around the back and talking and whatever. And I said, yeah, they're six and nine. And she said, oh, like mine. I think hers were six and eight though. And she, and I said, yeah, girl, boy. And she's like, yeah, girl and boy. I said, oh my gosh, that's so cute. And I was like, oh, um, are they, are they enjoying it here in Argentina? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure that you're glad that you were able to get them over here in a safer environment or whatever. And then things started getting deep. So what I didn't know was she was connecting with me because she was so happy to see me with my two kids. And I come to find out a few minutes later that she actually hasn't seen her kids for a year. And if you know my story, which you probably do if you've been listening to a couple of episodes now, but if you know my story, you know that I just divorced last year, two years um, ago I got separated, and I've gone through a really um, intense challenge of you know, trying to, to balance my own happiness Versus, you know, being there for my kids and being present and really working on myself to be there for my kids in a way that really serves them well. So I shared with you some time ago about how, um, you know, I I started traveling away from my kids because I knew that I just had to get away from Switzerland. I had to kind of come together as a whole person, evaluate myself, evaluate my life, evaluate things that had happened and really get happy. And I'm so glad I did because you know what? I have an amazing relationship with my kids now. I'm so just, you know, it's a sacrifice to take time away. But at the same time, I realized that there was no way I could be a good mom being depressed and sad and just, you know, down and out. And so, um, and so in that time when I was spending time away from my kids, 
Um, you know, I would go away for three weeks and come back for three weeks and go away for three weeks and come back for four weeks or whatever. And so I was never gone, you know, for extended period of time. Sometimes it was just two weeks I would be gone and then come back. But I was never gone, you know, for a whole month. And then this lady tells me, Ruby tells me, she's been gone from her kids for a year. Um, and I'll tell you another story on another, on another, um, episode about a woman I met in Dubai who had a similar story, but I, I heard this woman in Dubai say the same thing about how she was away from her son working, making a better life, sending money back to him. And now I was hearing Ruby tell me about how she hadn't seen her kids and how her and her husband are here in Argentina working, trying to make a living and trying to prepare a place for her and her kids. And it just, it just touched me so deeply because it was already so difficult for me. You know, I had been crying at night and just, you know, trying to work through my, my own issues, but also terribly missing my kids. And I thought, you know, I haven't even spent a complete month away from my kids. How could she be here for a year without her kids? And she started getting a little bit teary eyed. She was trying, you know, not to go there because she was with a customer or whatever. And she said, yeah, you know, me and my husband are here working. He's driving a truck. I'm, I'm driving Uber and we're just working and saving our money so that we can um, get our kids here, you know, in, 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 in this environment and we can get our kids here to be with us and it's going to be great. My sister is taking care of them now, but, you know, I'm just, I got my head down. I'm working. I'm going to make it happen, me and my husband. And I said, oh, wow. And at that moment, I felt, um, I'll call it God because that's what I believe it is. You can call it the universe, whatever, but like God touched me so deeply in that moment. And it was that touch that said, take action. It wasn't just like, you know, oh, that's sad, poor you. It was like, no, this is an opportunity for you. This is an opportunity for you to to do something. You know, you've always wanted to be charitable. You've always wanted to help people. Here's your opportunity to do something. Now, I asked her, so how much money do you need to get your kids here? And she said, um, I think she said it was like $800. And she said, yeah, I just need 500 more. You know, it's going to take me a little while, but it's okay. You know, I'm going to just keep working. I'm going to, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And so I thought about it and I was sitting there in the car and we were kind of making conversation, but I'm like having an out-of-body experience as we have the conversation. And God's just telling me, like, you have all the opportunities to make that money. Of course, you know, I was in a situation where I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do professionally. I was making money, but it wasn't like I was in a position to be just handing money out like Oprah. But I just heard something tell me, you know, she, it'll take her all year to make that money. It'll take her, you know, a very long time to gather up that money in surplus. You have the opportunity to be in Switzerland working. You can make that in one cake. What is it for you to make one cake and get that money for a little something or another versus change 
this woman's life if you go ahead to step out on faith and help this woman out. So just so happened that I had taken money out when out of the bank when I was in Europe. I think we were in Madrid. I took out some money, a couple thousand, and I was planning on having that for the whole time that we were going to be in Mendoza. And that 2000 should have lasted me, you know, the the two weeks or whatever we were there for everything. I had booked horseback riding lessons for my daughter, uh, my son as well. I had booked singing lessons and guitar lessons for the kids. I had, um, I had, you know, food planned for us, the uh, Vendemia events planned for us. Not, it wasn't just, you know, like this um, plain Jane two weeks. It was like a full out, full on two weeks. 2000 should have been enough for that and plenty of extra. And so I had this money in my purse and we're having a conversation and I'm just going back and forth like, gosh, you know, I'm not in a position to just be careless with money right now. But this is this woman's kids. Like, you know, what would I give? to be with my kids if I hadn't seen them for a year, you know, how, you know, like how grateful would I be to have someone just help me out if I were in the same position and not even that, just knowing that, you know, I can help this woman out and that good things will come to me anyway. You know, it was just like, why is there even a struggle? You know, when, when, God blesses you. It's your job to bless other people. And I thought, you know, what if what if she goes off and go blows this money in some other way than, than on her kids? Well, that was answered in a lesson that my dad taught me. I remember one time we were walking by this homeless guy and he had some, I think it was like Adidas on or something like that. And he had a cell phone. He looked dirty and he definitely looked quite homeless. Um... But my dad um, dropped some money in his hat. And I said, Dad, he has a cell phone. If he can afford a cell phone, you know, he should be able to afford something to eat. And he's like, my dad said, you know what? It's not your job to judge. It's not your job to keep account of what people do when you give them a handout. If you see some people in need, then you help when you can. You don't need to know anything other than that. After you've given to them, it's their job to do the right thing. That ain't got nothing to do with you. And so I thought of that. And so she was talking, she was talking, and we were having like this conversation in the background as I'm kind of thinking in my head and I'm mostly in my head. And I said, you know what, Ruby? I don't know you from a can of paint. We were speaking in Spanish, <laughs> but... I said, I don't know you, and I don't know what you're going to do with this money, but all I know is that I want to help you. So here is the rest of the money to get your kids from Venezuela to Argentina. And I went to my purse, and I took out the money, and then I put it in the center console where she could grab it. And she looked at me so confused, and we were on the freeway, and she became hysterical. She said, 
no, no, pero ¿por qué? Pero, no, no, no puedo, pero ¿por qué? No, no entiendo, por, ¿por qué? ¿Por qué? And she was so hysterical that she had to pull over on the shoulder of the freeway because she was just completely in disbelief, confused. She didn't know what to do. She was overwhelmed and she started she started crying and I mean it was just this heavy like oh my gosh she was she was just overwhelmed over she's overcome overwhelmed and she said why but why no I need to understand why I I don't understand but why and I said you know what it's not that I have all the money in the world it's not that you know this is nothing for me 500 euro is plenty it's it's a lot of money for me right now especially not knowing what i'm going to do in the future and how i'm going to come through this but what i do know is that i have the opportunity to get a lot more a lot quicker than you but more importantly i am also a mother i'm also going through my own struggle right now and i cannot imagine missing out on time with my kids because of money. And I said, I would not be able to be comfortable and live with myself if I knew that I can help and I didn't. And so please, you don't owe me anything. You don't have to repay me. She kept on saying, I'm going to pay you back. I don't know how I'm going to pay you back. I said, I, no, 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 no. You don't need to pay me back. You don't need to do anything for me because I know that I heard from God that I should bless you and whatever he needs to give me back, he'll give me back in some other way, some other day, some, some, I don't know, somehow, but you don't have to worry about anything. Just take this, you know, take care of your kids. Like this is, this is for you. And she just hugged me and she, she was like snot bubble crying and it made me cry. And the kids were like, what's going on? What's going on? I told them, no, I explained it to them later. And they were like, oh my God, mommy, you're amazing. In this time when things are so difficult and times are so hard, You know, I think about that. I haven't regretted it for one second. And in fact, I've helped other people that couldn't help themselves. Um, I'm not just handing out 500 everywhere because that's just not where I'm at right now. But I think, <laughs> wow, I feel so blessed to be able to bless other people. Like that's already a blessing. And remembering back to how I felt giving that money to her, remembering back to her reaction, and we've stayed in contact by the way, um, but remembering back to her reaction, remembering um, how that felt for me, made me realize how much I want to go for my goals because that feeling of giving is so priceless to be blessed enough to be able to give is just beyond 
it is beyond anything I could have ever asked for. And so I don't have a follow-up to tell you how I've received blessings because I've received so many. I don't know where I was repaid for that blessing, but since I have kind of looked at my life and said, you know what, I'm not going to wait until I'm rich to contribute to my society, to contribute to people, to put out good vibes in the world, whatever. Since I've decided to do that, I've had the blessing of number one, having the feeling of helping people. It's just one of the most delightful feelings that you can ever have, number one. But number two, I've just gotten so many blessings too. And I'm convinced that it's because I'm constantly looking for opportunities to bless other people. And not because I want something, but because it is just the right thing to do. I think it's the it's the way to be in this life in general. And so I've gotten, you know, free hotel stays, free food, free entrance to places, um, people doing things for me at no cost. I just, you know, when you put out that energy into the world, you just receive it back all the time. So what did I tell you that story for? If I can't point back to a specific repay, if I can't point to exactly um, exactly how it's paid off for me. By the way, that happened in February, not March. March is when I got back, happened in February. Anyway, so why did I tell you that story and why did I tell you that story right now? I told you that story because right now, you know, I'm working on a project um, and the idea definitely benefits me financially. However, the bigger idea and the bigger drive behind it is to benefit a whole industry of people. And I keep pushing forward with this idea and it's just like, it seems like such an uphill battle. Um, it seems like, why can't I just give up on this, this project and move on to the next thing? And the answer for me is because I know it's the right thing to do. I know that it's with my, within my power to do so. And I know the life-changing move it can be for people out there who can't make the change for themselves. I can't tell you exactly what it is, of course. I'll, you know, once once it happens, once it finally happens, I'll come back to you and be like, hey, remember I was talking about that thing all those times? <laughs> I'll come back and tell you. But I keep pressing forward on this issue that seems to be a, a steep uphill battle because I know it's the right thing to do. I know that I have the tools to get things done and I just want to see it through to the end. Um, and I want to say, you know, in these times when it's so hard, it's easy to let go of being charitable, let going of helping your neighbor, let go of thinking of community and kind of be stingy and selfish. When you need to take care of yourself and your family, that's not being stingy and selfish. But, you know, I want us to remember in these holiday times, um, there are so many ways to help people besides just giving money, you know, just giving a listening ear, giving your skills and your talent 
um, you know, offering your, your ideas as tools for somebody. There are so many ways that we can help push each other forward and help each other continue moving forward that I don't want us to get caught up in the moment of the struggle and not see the opportunities for growing as individuals and growing together as a community. And so I look back to that time, that situation with Ruby, where I gave her those 500 euro. And, you know, like I said, it was, it was not easy and it was not nothing for me. But every time I've given, I've received so much. And so I just want us to keep that spirit in this challenging pandemic time. And I want you to allow yourself when you give out of your heart to really just feel good about it. And don't worry about anything because the energy that you're putting out into the world, I guarantee you, you will always see it back. If you give, you will never be without. And so I hope that you enjoy listening to that story. I definitely enjoyed living that story. I'll be coming back to you with more stories soon. I am working on the website right now, putting out stories about Egypt and pictures. Go check that out, www.travelcakelife.com. But in the meantime, in between time, go out there, be good, and go love on somebody. Bye. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Wait a minute! I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J Man would do. Geico, fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested thirteen billion dollars in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down one point seven billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com/safety.